This summer on Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier, we're going to talk about five threats to harmony in your family. So we invite you to join us for this series on growing through challenges with unresolved grief, boundaries, people-pleasing, triangulation, and dysfunctional roles. We'll be bringing you into our Soul Shepherding Counseling Office to learn from people who have made positive changes in their families. Our prayer is to help you experience greater emotional and spiritual health in your family and all of your relationships. Hello, friends. We're blessed to have you in our Soul Shepherding community. I want to especially uh, say hello to Patricia, one of our listeners who wrote recently to thank you, Christy, for your vulnerability. Uh, it was the podcast Longing to be Seen that we did a while ago. And Patricia says, thank you for recording this, Christy, for taking courage to be so vulnerable. Everything you said is so true. I've been struggling with longing to be seen by people and by the Lord myself. And I've been asking God daily since the podcast to show me how he sees me, Mm. to see his smile over me and to know that he loves me. And so it's been comforting to me to hear your words and to listen to them over and over such care and tenderness and understanding that God ministered to me through you. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's awesome. And so exciting to hear from you, Patricia, and how you're practicing that with the Lord and letting, looking to be seen by Him. Lord, bless you in that. And so, Christy, we were just uh, processing about a couple that we've been helping and counseling, talking about how we can get them uh, further along in their uh, marriage, their communication, and their care for their, their kids and their shared ministry, and uh, reminded us of some things in our relationship and in our history that we began to process, and so we thought we'd just share that with our listeners. Yeah, well, there were some dynamics going on with them with pleasing, and I know a lot about that <laughs> because that's something that I uh, have depended upon quite a bit in my life for my own security, pleasing people. I I know about that too. And I think most of our listeners do, you know, most of us, we're relational people and that's a big part of following Jesus. A lot of us are in ministry, whether as uh, pastors or teachers or parents or grandparents, leading small groups, uh, people in business who are all in for Jesus. We are uh, loving and compassionate people. And so we we take on the, the feelings of others to some extent, and we can find ourselves sliding into a uh, people-pleasing, uh, eggshell-walking, conflict-avoiding type pattern. Yeah, we don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be bullies. We don't want to hurt people. We don't want to be, you know, causing conflict. I think, you know, society in a lot raises us to be pleasers, too. You know, in in school, you learn pretty early on, if you please the teacher, you know, mm. things go better for you. <laughs> it just even in society, you know, there's there is a training in that, in learning to please people. And even in learning about manners or, you know, just basic courtesy, mm-hmm. um, a lot of us can learn that as a sense of, oh, this is how I please to get what I want. And of course, it's a good and godly thing to be considerate and kind, compassionate, and that might seem like pleasing, but then there is a a dysfunctional sort of people-pleasing that we're talking about. Yeah, and a lot of it can be actually largely unconscious, Bill. 
I think it was for me for, you know, so many years. In fact, I remember when our kids were really little and, you know, our oldest was a son, a boy, and I was raised with three girls and I didn't have experience. You know, I didn't have a little brother. I didn't have experience with boys and he was strong world. And so here he wasn't pleasing me. (laughs) (laughs) And I tell him to do something. He had no trouble saying no. And I remember just really struggling with how strong his will was, that it was actually stronger than mine. And so I reached out to our good friend, Dr. Jan Stoop, who Jan and Dave have been mentors of ours. They're uh, psychologists also. And um, so I, I reached out and I said, help, you know, you raised three boys. Can I meet with you? And so I would buy her breakfast and we would, we would meet and we would talk. And I remember one particular breakfast, instead of talking about raising my son and learning from her about that, which she was very helpful to me in that, but uh, gave me much wisdom. I was talking about you and a dynamic in our relationship. And I remember saying to her, well, I have a choice. I can either please Bill and make him happy and I just deal with being unhappy or I can please myself, but then I have to deal with him being unhappy. So I never choose that. And she said, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Well, the obvious answer is just keep pleasing Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's exactly what I was unconscious. I had unconsciously made that choice. Mm -hmm. And here we were, you know several years into our marriage and I'd been making that choice over and over and over and I thought it was good. And so, and what so it you... kind of rocked my world when she said, mm-hmm. oh, that's not good. <laughs> I thought I was doing the loving thing. So like a good counselor, she let you just sit with that mm-hmm. discomfort and mm-hmm. go to the Lord with that question of, okay, what's not good about this? Right, exactly. And it took me a long time to, to really let the Lord speak to me about what wasn't good about it because I had so kind of justified it and had it all sorted through and figured out in my brain as to what was good about it, why it was loving, why it was, what was humble and it was even submissive. And it was like all these things that you can pick up, you know, from Christian teaching that maybe isn't quite fully healthy or even from scriptures ways we can kind of twist and interpret scriptures to fit Mm -hmm. some of these coping mechanisms, some of these styles of personality or relating that that we've picked up on in life. So we don't even realize we're doing it. No. No. Right. I hadn't, but I had all this, yes, well, I should always be pleasing you, thinking that that was being a loving wife, that Mm -hmm. was being a good wife, that 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 was my role. And so looking at that was uncomfortable for me, but because I respected her so much, I did look at it. And then I remember, it wasn't long after that, we were in our bedroom and something something needed to be done. It was something you wanted done and you asked me if I would do it. And I did, went into my automatic response and I said, yes. And then inside, I felt the no well up within mm-hmm. me. And I thought, oh, this is going to cost me a lot to do this for him. I do not want to do this. I don't have this to give. And so then I let out but I'll resent it. <laughs> and you laughed. <laughs> you actually laughed when I said that. But your laugh wasn't a ha ha, that was funny. Your laugh was a little bit like, oh no, that's, you know, I don't want you resenting it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think it caught you so off guard. That's why you laughed. But then you said, no, I don't want you doing that. Right. Yeah. Out of love for you and frankly, out of love for, for me as well. And of course our kids in there, yeah, I didn't didn't want you going into resentment. That was a, a strong 
uh, flashing red light there or siren going off like, okay, wait a minute here. This is not a good dynamic we've got between us. And I don't want you doing something for me to, to help and to serve that you're, you don't really have, have it to be a, a cheerful giver in this situation. You don't have the energy, you don't have the capacity, or it doesn't feel good or right to you. Yeah. So that was such a loving response for you that you felt that way, but I didn't feel loved or secure right then and there. I felt exposed. Mm. I was like, oh no, I just did something I never do. I just exposed that I can't always please. I just exposed that I have limits. I just exposed that I'm not, you know, this perfectly loving mother and, and wife. And so you spoke the truth, but you I felt really truth. guilty about it. I felt it. so guilty and I felt so insecure mm-hmm. because the truth be told, Bill, I had come to learn to secure myself by pleasing people. Yeah. Okay. Now say that a little slower so that our listeners can really grasp that. You, you learn to secure yourself mm-hmm. by pleasing people, not just me or right. even our son, David, right. but generally in a lot of your relationships, mm-hmm. this was a, a style and orientation, a, a habitual way of relating to people that mm-hmm. you learned e- even as a girl. Yes. A way to get somebody to think well of me, mm-hmm. a way of somebody not to get angry or disappointed in me, um, a way of even getting somebody to want me in their life mm. was trying to figure out what they wanted and to please them. I mean, I, I remember even hearing a, a Bible teacher say, you know, the most loving thing to do is to find a need somebody else has and then fill it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, yeah, oh, that that's great. I'll do that. You know, and I think I'm doing it to serve the Lord. But in reality, I was doing it to secure myself, to make myself feel important, significant, secure, wanted, attached, you know, earn love. All these unconscious things were wrapped. And then there's a real sadness in here. I was feeling it just as you were sharing this. The sadness being that, well, it felt to you like unless you are pleasing, helpful, caring, serving uh, unless you're giving so much to somebody to make them feel good, you're not really going to be wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not feeling that you would be uh, desired or, or chosen just for you. Right. Yeah. That's why I felt so insecure when I had revealed to you, you know, oh, no, if I stop pleasing him, he's not going to want me. Mm. He's not, he's not going to love me. So it was really scary. Start to be honest about that. Yeah, you're really practicing. Um, you probably weren't thinking of this at the time, but th- this is an example of what Paul teaches when he says, "Put off the old self, put on the new self." And you were you were putting off that old uh, self, old identity, old pattern of uh, trying to get people to uh, be won over to you and how helpful you are as a way of securing yourself, you are putting that off and you're putting on a new self of, of honesty and of, as Paul says, also uh, about speaking the truth in love mm-hmm. to, to grow up into Christ mm-hmm. uh, in Ephesians 4. So you're, you're putting on a new self there. You're trying a new way of communicating, a new way of being Christy. Well, actually, yeah, a new way of being my true self in Christ and trusting His love to be enough for my security instead of other people's. Well, and what's really helpful about these examples, I think a lot of times when we talk about our identity in Christ and putting on the new self, we sort of think that means, well, you, you memorize these 
Bible verses and these promises, and you keep telling those to yourself, and that's putting on the new self. And, well, that, that's part of it. But it, it really needs to work itself out into daily life and relationships and how you present yourself. Mm-hmm. And it has to be letting go of the false self, these strategies that we have for, you know, controlling what people think of us or controlling out, managing outcomes in our life, securing ourselves. Yeah, and you didn't think you we were want. controlling. You didn't think mm-hmm. of this as manipulating. No, I really It's only later didn't. that you realized that. Yeah, no, I really thought that I was just being loving. I was convinced I was being loving. I was being humble. Yeah. Yeah, but so it, it would come across in the extreme when it was the most unhealthy it would come across as controlling for me because then we would get in a situation where our boundaries were crossed, meaning you're like taking responsibility to please me. Mm-hmm. And so then because I love you, I need to take responsibility to please you because you're not asking for mm-hmm. what you need. That's right. And so if you're not asking for what you need, I got to figure it out. Yep. And so then yeah. we get into an enmeshed pattern yes. where neither of us have good good boundaries And it's not so much that you started this and I reacted to it, which is how it sounds based on what I just said, but I had my own feet into this loop as well, where uh, sometimes that looked like me just being too into my work or my projects or my ideas and not being considered enough of you. And so in order to connect, there was a space there, a gap between us and you would, you would fill it in. And that wasn't all unhealthy stuff. That was also uh, kindness and, and consideration and, and connectivity that was really good and healthy. So my leaving of that, that void, that disconnect was part of the, the pattern there. And then my own tendencies to um, uh, enmesh and, and, and to please not as strong as yours, but then I, I would come in with that too. And so when you have that kind of a relationship where there's this this dynamic of sensitivity to each other that can be like a, a super sensitivity and where you're taking responsibility for your your spouse or your friend or your your child, uh, it puts a lot of pressure on the relationship and there can be some wonderful times of closeness, but then you get to the other extreme too where it's not sustainable and there tends to be a lot of conflict mm-hmm. or at least episodes of conflict. Yeah, I think that that's really important for you to say, honey. One of the things that's helped me also, another scripture in this area of pleasing and thinking that I was doing it in love, that it was loving to be pleasing, was Jesus' words about loving your neighbor as you love yourself, Mm -hmm. not instead of yourself. I would think that I always thought it was, well, I can't have any needs. I can't have even a separate self if I'm going to love my neighbor. That was kind of unconsciously how I thought. And so in my waking up to this and my work on this and looking at the pleaser in me, the false self-pleaser in me that was doing that, even dishonestly, you know, going against what I really felt to please, it helped me to realize, okay, so I'm doing this pleasing action in love for the other person because I really do will good for you. But I'm not also able to do it loving you as I love myself. It's instead of myself. And that's where it was so damaging because then what would happen is eventually I would run into my end of my ability to please and then I would get angry or I would get resentful or I would go into self-pity. There's usually a point and it it can be different for different personalities, but a consequence to this pleasing. Yeah, eventually the anger builds and that's what you were saying in this um, 
all these years ago. And he said, well, yeah, I can, I can do that for you, but I'll resent it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that when, when we are so uh, over-conscientious and over-sensitive to other people and o- overly helpful that we, we do start to build up some anger inside. Something inside begins to feel like, well, you know, what about me? You know, when's it my turn? Or yes. I sacrifice so yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when are you going to care for me? Yeah, and that would come out and it wasn't fair for you because then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you were seeing that I had all this resentment and anger and self-pity and all this need I'd been containing and you, you weren't even aware of it. And then right. all of a sudden I was angry at you for it. Because you've been repressing right. your anger. Yeah. All along. Yeah. And so then finally you couldn't hold that beach ball under water any longer. Right. And so it, it popped up and there would be an outburst and I'd be like, yeah. whoa, I've I'm, got ambushed here. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> what happened to Christy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where'd my, my kind, gentle wife go? <laughs> well, and then it, then it was hard for you to trust anything I wanted to give. Or it was hard for you to trust to receive anything because you just couldn't trust that there wasn't going to be some later resentment you were going to learn and hear about later. Well, and the positive in that was I just would ask, so are you sure you have this to give? You know, yeah. do, you, do you want to do this? And, and that was really helpful to me. You learned to kind of help me check my, check my motivations there. And it was a learning for both of us, that readjustment. Yeah. And so uh, last week on Soul Talks, we talked about it, you know, asking for what we need uh, as it relates to boundaries and Jesus' teaching. And, uh, you know, ask and it will be given to you, which is a really a fundamental uh, teaching of the Lord's in the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain, comes up in other places in the Gospels. And it's really, an, it's an important way that Jesus is helping us to, uh, in psychological wording, to become a healthy self, to become a person where we have awareness and we take ownership of, we take responsibility for what it is that we need and what we value, what's important to us. And so asking is, is really an, an important thing. Some people tend to think like, oh, but if, you know, I shouldn't have to ask. Someone that, that loves me, my, my, my best friend, my, my brother, my sister, my spouse, they, they ought to be able to anticipate what, what gift to give me or how to serve me or how to help me. And if I have to ask, then it's kind of like it, it's not... Really, it's not real anymore. It's not genuine. It's not. It, it it doesn't show me whether or not they really love me. Well, you're getting at something here. What we're talking about with pleasing taken to extreme is usually where there's enmeshment, unhealthy enmeshment in a relationship. And this asking is about that too. Is it's healthy to ask to have that separate individualness and to realize that I. It's probably not reasonable to expect somebody to know or for me to think that I could know what somebody else wants and needs. And so in a healthy relationship where you have a, dif- a healthy differentiation, um, then you would you would need to ask. But if you think you don't need to ask or you're expecting somebody to not need to ask, then probably there's a measurement there. Yeah, and something that we, we teach is that if you don't ask, you're not going to receive if you don't at least implicitly ask, because when we, when we ask for what we need, when we let ourselves accept that this is something I want, that this is important to me, then we're able to benefit from the gift that's given. When someone offers us empathy or a kindness or a service, if, if all along we're thinking, I shouldn't need this, or I'm too needy, or that kind of thing, then it, it diminishes the the received value of that gift. So asking or taking ownership of what it is that we need actually helps us 
absorb the, the benefit of the love that's coming our way. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Bill. I'm, I'm always amazed when I look over at this little timer we have running 20 minutes go so fast on these soul talks. But uh, let me pray for us as we continue this journey of growth. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are with us, loving us, teaching us, helping us, Lord, to take courage to look at the areas where we have been malformed, where we are believing lies, where we are depending upon ourselves, areas, Lord, of unhealth in our souls, to bring them before you. Holy Spirit, wonderful counselor, grow us, heal us, and form us more and more in your perfect love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a blessing to share Soul Talks with you and your friends. Also, we hope you'll visit soulshepherding.org and subscribe to our blog, which we send out by email each week. We would love to come speak at your church or have you join us at our Soul Shepherding Institute. It's our joy to foster your intimacy with Jesus, emotionally healthy relationships, and fruitful ministry.